0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Growing With Fishes podcast. Uh, I'm Steve. And uh, today we have um, Jessica Patton with us as well as um, uh, Dave, um, I forget, I'm sorry, what was your last name again? I apologize. Name's Damien. Damien, Damien. I'm sorry. Damien, what was your name? Okay. We have Damien from Barbados with us as well today. Um, and uh, we're going to be talking about a whole bunch of different topics and, um, uh, you know, everything from uh, how to grow in the Caribbean to um, uh, how to run your farm. And uh, it's, you know, we don't often get a chance to talk to people in the Caribbean. He was kind enough to stay up late for us. It's about almost 11 o'clock in the, at night where he is. So uh, big shout out to him. We, you know greatly appreciate what he's doing to, to take the time out of his day with us. Um, also, want to give a quick shout out um, to Ouroboros Farms. Um, I teach the medicinal herb class up there. I'll be teaching that in uh, April, and I forget when the following date is off the top of my head, but the next one is in April. And then uh, we also teach an aquaponic cannabis class there at the end of March, the March 24th or 25th or 25th and 26th. I forget the exact date. You can go on to uh, ouroborosfarms.com and uh, get the exact date if you're uh, looking for that on there. Um, also a uh, shout out to true aquaponics for um, having us up and, and listed on their site there as well. Um, they have a great, um, great options for different nutrient supplements and um, uh, it's a great source for different things like heaters and other aquaponics stuff. So if you're looking for a place for aquaconic goods, um, you know, it's a great, great place to look. Um thanks, Damien, for joining us today, um, all the way from Barbados. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do and, um, you know, a little bit about some of the crops you grow down there and what it's like to grow in the Caribbean?
1: Yeah. yeah. So good night to everyone. Afternoon. Good morning. Uh, good <laughs> morning. In Barbados, uh, we, on the aquaponics scene, we kind of look to grow nutrient-dense food right? Uh, Lettuce and these kind of things naturally just grow here very easily so that's open field uh, territory. So because we got to pay for all the infrastructure doing the aquaponics, uh, we tend to look to grow nutrient dense crops and high value herbs, uh, namely parsley and a little bit of chives, yeah? Awesome, right? Uh, we also push the quinoa a lot. Uh, but what we find is that at uh, this time of year, don't got any in because it's a short days crop, so we got to grow it a specific time of the year. Yeah,
0: so tell us about um you know, growing quinoa there in the tropical environment, and um, you know, some of the other crops that you grow that are specific to the the tropics there.
1: Okay, so, mostly we're pushing culinary herbs, like parsley, and quinoa is a a niche market that is growing, is growing a lot, really fast. Uh, But you see, (laughs) <laughs> Before we even talk about uh, the crops that we're growing, I want to get into why we're using aquaponics to grow sure. these crops. Now, right, let me backtrack a little bit and tell you a little bit about myself. So, how <laughs> we get into aquaponics was actually from a movie called By Your Dome. It's a, a comedy from, I guess, the 90s or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Where these guys got locked into? Uh, it was like a party on Biosphere Two. You, Jessica, uh,
0: Biodome? You that
2: one? Yeah, I'm very familiar
0: with that. Yes. Yeah, we love Biodome, Paulie Shore yeah. and all. It's yeah. Great. Sure. <laughs> 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 so we got <laughs> some
1: common <from> here, huh? <laughs>
0: cool.
1: I had a cassette with Biodome on there. I used to watch it all the time, and then it got in the internet. It was daily part at that time. Uh, I <laughs> with them. I log on. I came across uh, searching for the the concept of, of the biodome, you know, because in watching the movie, you get to think about society and technology and all these things. I hope we got interact with it on a more a more uh peaceful level, so to speak. You, you get what you am saying? Yes. Right, Absolutely. right. So, that's how I get attracted to aquaponics from the beginning and yeah, and that viewpoint I maintained throughout all this time, yeah? Because you know, Beidoum was a long time ago. Yes. Yeah, so from there to now, my concept of looking at aquaponics was to implement the idea of aquaponics into modern society uh, in general, right? Because I I knew that uh, this viewpoint or this concept was unique to me at the time because nobody else was thinking about it. So I tried to design my systems in such a way that anybody that is even interested in the concept, could get involved, all right? All you need to do is buy the product, stick it together, there's three pipes, uh, that's connect, and use, be able to operate our component system. Okay? Yes. You following me? Yep. Absolutely. Nice. So I finally over the space of 10 years, uh, oh, actually a whole decade, I finally get to understand the bridge, I am talking about the cutting edge where our components applies to society in general. I get to understand where that bridge lies is in the labor management of the system. Right now, I get that viewpoint when it was managing a six acre operation where I successfully implemented the idea of components into it. It was four acres of greenhouse, two acres of a pond. Nice, okay,
0: yeah,
1: right. We had 12 workers, and I quickly realized this was my first job on the commercial level, I quickly realized. That the commercial component, the commercial our our components, has very little to do with our components and everything to do with the labor involved. Okay. Yep. Yep. Right. So with that in mind, I designed the system to suit. Where the limiting factor of the system is. The labor, the labor input. And by limiting factor I mean we assuming we get all the other variables running at optimal. So we could pull the most from the labor that we're involving. You got me? You following me?
2: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Okay cool. So when we're looking at the labor uh how it is or the best way to suit the the labor to society is in a eight hours a eight hours segment of the day is is like day work you're going to work you put in your eight hours you get what you're supposed to get from the profit of your labor right?
2: yes
0: yep
1: so always design the system it is you calculate how much transplants you could do, how much harvesting you could do, how much by harvesting mean fish harvesting, plant harvesting, uh, how much germination you could do in a day, and set it out. Restructuring it from excuse me, sir, but restructuring it from the, the labor's perspective. So the day working look like. From 6 in the morning to 7-8, if it's the from 6 to 9, the labor will go out and harvest, okay? First, The first task in the morning is harvesting, after harvesting is maintenance, after maintenance is germination and bro- What's the word they're looking for? Propagation. Fish and plants. And then evening, you set it. You shut it short and go long. All right? You're doing that five days a week. So that's the limiting factor that we're using to build the system upon.
2: Awesome.
0: You guys follow me? OK. Yeah, right. absolutely. Right. No. So, what is your preferred method of growing in that way? like do you prefer rafts or nft i see in your picture there you use you have a uh the piping with the the plants in them do you want to you know what is your what is the bulk yeah. of your your farm
1: yeah that system with, uh research system uh, early product right now we go, we go uh is readily available here uh is organic, it allows you to grow a, a lot more fish and produce a lot more plants. Uh, is really cheaper than any process It's literally 100% cheaper to use quota here in Barbie. because any processing from, right, so that handling will be easy hmm Right, so uh, that cut out uh any media from me down here on the island. But quote House is right ready- is all over the place. All right, awesome. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah.
0: So
2: is
0: there any um unique challenges you've run into growing in Barbados that you think might not have been run into in other places? Or any like particular tips or tricks that you want to talk about in regards to growing in Barbados? Or any unique pests that maybe you run into that we don't? Or do you have a lack of pests because you're on an island in the middle of, of the ocean? Or
1: uh, Yeah, we're in between the uh, ocean. To the south side and the Canadian portion of the west side, right? Um anything that we need gotta come in by ship, either from Trinidad or from my And it's always a hassle coming through the port. So any large scale mm, new crop technology is always be a hassle to implement, right? So basically we's gonna use the hardware store that sell the basic plumbing supplies and for tanks we use uh, the polyurethane tanks. Uh very right. cheap
0: Use the water tanks like uh like we do over in Jamaica.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Those are you know? Yeah. Water boat, if you're about four feet of the water, gallons of water, excellent amount when you fish because you can harvest that in 15 minutes and while you Oh, uh,
3: hey, Damien, I-, I had a question as well. Um, yeah. So, when coming from an area with so much sun and rain, does the aquaponics give you a higher yield than the farms around you? Is there, is there, a, is there a noticeable um, advantage to doing aquaponics in an area that has a, such, a, such capacity for natural abundance?
1: Uh, You've mostly still got to rest of your land. You, you can't produce continuously from one spot in the nature right okay so that's the that's the advantage we have by using the aquapon and using corners instead of there, i got total control over the root zone the application of the water and the application of the amount of nutrients are going to the root zone i got control of that so
3: so even even in even in a tropical climate it proves to be a superior uh uh yield a higher yield um yeah. because of the method
1: because it you could do it continuously every week you could be produce parsley every to be the chase man to
3: cool thank you damien
1: yeah uh we think you get our. Uh, or what do you want to get that is the, the business model Involved behind the act, make it successful. The ability to constantly do.
0: Wonderful, thank you. I've now. Have you had to do anything in order to hurricane-proof, or do you guys deal with a lot of earthquakes there, like we do in Jamaica, or is there any other precautions you have to go through with system construction?
1: Uh, the system is. Designed. To as a, a layer a normal farm, right? Um, I didn't look at it from this perspective where I designing an aquaponics system. I look at it from the angle as I'm improving the farming method that is already here, right? That's why you use corner has because it's similar to soil. But it still gives you the ability to, to run a lot of water through it. So you could use it as a biofilter. A right?
2: Yes.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: So the, the aquaponics system is designed like a, a overlayer of an open field farm uh, where we collect the rainwater during the rainy season and it is last through the dry season, but our rainwater collection is from the grow beds, because it's an open field system. So, coupling that with the fact that we 100% solar, uh, I think in that, in the range of permaculture here, right now. Right? Yes. Yeah. yep. yep. Yeah, and I want to, I want to stop a minute here, the reason I choose to talk about this idea in detail with this audience, for the first time ever, is because uh, we share one thing in common and that's the plant right, the cannabis plant, yep, plan. yep.
3: Right. and the need to eat. And
1: <laughs> and I want me to start I look at it from a different perspective uh, if you put away if, if, when I put away my ego I get to realize that it's not me farming this plant it's this plant farming me <laughs> and anybody that farming this plant also has a similar view of society as me because the plant chooses all of us to operate.
0: I couldn't agree more, especially when you're growing ganja.
1: Exactly Within this this parameter, uh, we the best way for you to describe it is the cutting edge of where technology manages for the synthesis. No, for the synthesis is very important. It's primary production. Society cannot survive without it. Where I see our components is exactly at the cutting edge where society and technology, where modern modern technology, is managing photosynthesis. synthesis. Hmm. Are we all in agreement here? Yes, absolutely.
3: Yo, brother, Thanks. we're in a, not only in agreement, but I believe that people can, with the prerogative. Grow as an exponentially growing population in this world and even the next, if we just simply make it our mission to provide abundance with what the earth offers, and rather than um, rather than the, the illusion of scarcity or or, or conflict over or
1: or. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think
3: you're bringing this to where you are. Is, is is of incre- incredible value and i think and i think you should you should have pride in that and and uh i at least i at least feel uh uh honored to talk to somebody who's, who's, who's on on the same team of, of the potential of, of, of human nice goodness yeah
0: nice <laughs> that that is uh c funk he is a resident artist here at eden and uh, he does a lot of stuff here and he's Hanging out with the show this week, so...
1: So, what was your...
2: My consensus... I, I agree with you completely. Uh, I, I feel you 100%. I do... Um, I do the most work with the plants, and yeah. I feel that... Uh, that I do not grow the plants. Um, I am a steward to them. Um, <laughs> they they tell me what they need to grow yeah and uh, i i agree with you 100% i i felt i felt very humbled by what you had to say that was a very very awesome a lot of people a lot of people do not do not farm that way that's that's wonderful
1: okay well you will know that sometimes you will come into your farm and a plant just get knocked over and you, you just turn, happen to turn up there just to see of it, mm-hmm. I I think is the other way around.
2: Absolutely,
0: you know? absolutely. I yeah. sure happen to be already. Absolutely. Awesome. Do you have any other tips or tricks you want to tell us about from growing in Barbados before we uh, um, switch guests? Or uh, do you want to uh, tell us about the aquaponics machine? I, I'm sorry, I oh, totally forgot about that. Oh, yeah. Do you want to tell us about that?
1: OK, so uh, basically, if you understand uh grid solar system, the solar power system,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and how you set up you know, such a system the battery banks, that kind of thing. Think of the wires, however, you're moving, around, and the battery as a component of the By component, I be one of the six functions of the life support. support filtration, movement, movement uh, whatever, you, you following me? Absolutely. We're following you. <laughs> sure. What? All, right. All you want to see is that, once you understand how the current moving through the batteries and that kind of thing, you kind of superimpose the aquaponic system onto that. So you will got our kind of what people will be hinting at when are talking about decoupled systems. Right, Is that same concept that I, I talking about. And that concept is running the running, running in its own independent loop meaning you got biological filtration on one loop control a pump you got uh, if you're using a sediment filter you got that on a, on a, a loop by itself uh, you got the solid filtration on the loop by itself uh, all of these loops stay into one loop you got the grow bed on the loop by itself you got the fish tank on the loop by itself uh, all of them stay into
3: so, Damien, uh, uh, this machine—yeah—is um, this something? Is this something that you specifically have to get from, say, the manufacturer? Is this something that people can put together themselves out, uh, out of a design that's maybe accessible somewhere on the internet?
1: This is my gift to this community. This is to this community.
3: That is a beautiful thing, man. Yeah. Thank you. So, so is there a place if, if people if people want to? Uh, uh, follow in the uh in the footsteps that you have so paved with uh, with this design with this design uh where where would people go about finding such uh such such information
1: well you you google machine oh simply so
3: simply but it's yeah. but it but it is your is your gift to to tell us about or is it, is is this a is this an innovation of your um of your design uh, uh it's your gift, one way or another. But I'm just, I'm just, I'm just curious. Uh, uh, yeah.
1: One thing is that because I up on an island, I, I, I get to look at it a slightly different way. Right. Right.
3: I couldn't quite understand exactly what that was because of the technical issue. Which could you mind? Would you mind repeating that one more time?
1: Because I'm growing on an island. Yes. I get to look at aquaponics a slightly different way than you.
3: Oh Not yes, of course. Yes. Uh,
1: to all of these um, the the
3: interaction in 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 a in a natural sense is is, is more closely so you so so this has given you insight yeah
1: yeah exactly.
3: cool so so this is of yeah. your innovation or your or your realization this uh this
1: machine that you have conjured exactly so, so this
3: is truly a gift from you to the world of this community. <laughs>
1: to this community
3: so where do we find it well how do we how do we go about doing it ourselves the uh, uh, the way that you have laid down it? i mean is there is there i mean is it just is it just the conversation is it just going back what you've just told us now or is there something um in a visual sense that um that this community can can draw upon that uh because if if there isn't already i imagine that there's some motivated people at least around me that would like to help you be able uh, be able to present that, but uh, if if there is something that we would like to know, where it's at.
1: Right. You. i will send you some the uh, page. But if you Google aquaponics, you will find things here. Uh, awesome.
3: da- Damien, Damien, we're getting we're getting some real technical problems. If you Google aquaponics,
1: aquaponic machine,
3: my aquaponic machine, and you come up yeah and and is there anything more specific or are you just the only aquaponic machine that i'm the only one <laughs> you are the only one well that is a proud title i'm giving you a virtual medal right now because you are the one with the aquaponic machine that you've decided to give as a gift to the people <laughs> of this community and and that is that is a thing another thing to be proud of damien um that is super cool. Well, I'm going to look at that as soon as as soon as uh as soon as Steve's done with this. He's actually in the restroom right now, but um, yeah. uh, but I'm uh, taking these good notes. Okay.
1: Well, the, the gift actually is just like the idea. Once you look at it from this perspective, you understand what I'm saying.
0: Absolutely.
3: Yes, and we will look at that. That's,
1: that, sound, and that sounds. That sounds. That sounds. Of incredible value. Basically, basically, you just uh, pump the water through one large main No, I get all of my information off of the internet, right? Yeah. I mean, where
0: where do you like to go on the internet for your information? Off,
1: everywhere, everywhere on the internet. <laughs> uh. I started out most of my information on overgrow.com Any and you guys know that? It was a popular website.
2: What website is that?
1: Overgrow.com Awesome. Yeah. Well, I bounced around there a little bit and then I went to ICMAG. uh, where there's some interesting treads, like the living soil trade mm. huh? oh. Tom Hill had a trade growing big trees that was nice as well uh, so after Mike, I see my kind of link up to Bayyard aquaponics not too wrong for a couple of years.
0: Uh-huh. Foot. backyard aquaponics is good they have a lot of they've been around for a long time it's a couple yeah. of a couple of silly characters over there but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Alrighty, um we're gonna um is there anything else you wanted to mention or plug before we switch gears and and uh, talk to jessica for a minute for a yeah. few
1: i still i want to
0: hear what, what? think about the idea but they don't think it's like 100% no it sounds like a great idea it's great to see other people that are out there supporting the community supporting education and uh, you know supporting the uh, you know the industry in general I mean that's why you're starting to see some of the commercials the breakthroughs that you're seeing now is because people like you people like Sylvia people like Ken and Jessica out Aura Bros and people i know they have a couple people that are working under them now that i've gotten a chance to meet that they've been inspired you know to totally change gears in their life um yeah. and work into the agricultural industry based after meeting them and seeing their farm and you know it, it's doing what you're doing is very powerful work and it's great to see you doing that kind of thing I re, you know you're taking i mean kind of in that vein that's that's why we do this show i was inspired by a, a cannabis show called the dude Grow show where they just take you know people's questions and different grow problems and different products that claim different XYZ and they put it to the test or they they solve people's problems and they tell them what's going on with their thing and it was just cool to hear more of like a almost you know it's funny you mention this I don't know if you guys have um, PRI or, or NPR in Barbados I don't know if that's something you have there but in, in the States we have something called car talk which is like a a really goofy car show where these guys get really weird car problems and they talk about they're really goofy and they're almost like cartoons when they explain stuff but they uh they they help people with their problems and they take their problems and they make it entertaining and they try to make it not boring to listen to (laughs) and uh you know the 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 dude grows guys kind of took that and did like a cheech and chong version of kind of like what they do and and it was neat to hear that. And that's really what inspired Marty and I. Marty and I were both passionate about aquaponic cannabis production. And um, um, you know, we were trying to figure out a way to like help spread the word that aquaponic cannabis production works if you just, you know, first off have a good understanding of what you're doing. And second of all, you know, um, have good genetics. And and as long as you do those two things, you can have a lot of good success. And just how, to, how do we get people to realize that this is a viable way to do it? And we thought the best way to do it was to start a little podcast that we could start every week and, you know, promote these ideas and promote these different things that we've tested or proven both, you know, through the companies that I've worked with and, and knowledge that I have and that he's had. Um, him more so in the soil industry, me more in the hydroponic aquaponic industry, and and to try and disseminate information. It's great to see you doing that in in your own way with the with the aquaponics machine. It's great to see that you know um you're doing that in your own set, you, you know your own way as well. You know how we, all of us are on the same wavelength where we're all trying to disseminate knowledge in in, in our own ways. Here's uh,
3: Steve, Damian. I had a comment as well. Um, just the, way
1: was,
3: just the way that a, a computer used to be something that only a uh, few people who were really into it, like, you know, kind of like nerdy hobbyists would be into it to make yeah. it. Now it's accessible for everyone. Yeah. Because people have made it into an interface that is
1: accessible. Uh, as
3: what? With your machine so that more people can just get on, get on board, as you said, and do it and make it accessible for more people. And to is 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 for the autonomous survival of more human beings on the planet earth and overcoming hunger by making it accessible in a way that their smartphone might be you know in another way you know it's like they can access it they don't need to work you're making it work for them with as teach a man to fish uh, give a man a fish they eat for a day teach a man a fish they eat, they eat for a lifetime and with the machine you're helping people feed themselves helping the the greater agenda of of the whole thing and I think that that's
1: going there I want to thank you for that man well you just (laughs) said everything I appreciate
0: it Damien I'd
2: like to I'd like to say that I have a I have a deep respect for the way that you work with the plants Um, yeah I'm I'm I have a deep respect for that thank you
1: Thank you very much. Thank you for everybody. But I just want to add a that I I want the app here to be yeah. the want right? right the machine here, right? We We work at the cut. and I want everybody to add their little piece of your own experience is unique. Let's add it into the idea. Let me get this thing.
0: Absolutely. <clears throat> um, send me the link on Facebook, and I'll and I'll add that to the description so that everyone has a link to it and can can find it that way. Okay, that'd
1: be wonderful. Nice. So we want to say a you. <laughs> giving me your time yeah
0: absolutely so anyway. thanks again you're welcome to stick around if you want or very, like, where you are so I need to come down and visit you on the next trip I do down in the Caribbean I'll have to to hop islands and come over and see you
1: yeah, is awesome you were in Jamaica
0: uh, yeah yeah I'm in Jamaica at least a couple of months a year I have a yeah. A third ownership of a company down there, so um, yeah
2: <laughs> uh, down there helping keep them
0: yeah. keeping them running. We got all different kinds of medicinal trees and herbs and vegetables and ganja growing right now, so
1: what's that there you go
0: oh yeah yeah i I go down there you know uh three to six months a year, depending on what you know. But the government are feeling like, are you that me, me, are you allowed to grow? Oh, am what I allowed to grow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I, I work with a company down there called Golden Green Herbs that has a license to grow down there. Yeah,
1: you yeah, what, well, manager?
0: What's that? You don't want to help it? Oh, I might. <laughs> we will have to talk off air on that one. Uh, um,
1: the plant is very easy. <laughs> yeah,
0: you can definitely make it work great in aquaponics especially on a big scale, uh, especially in that kind of climate. So.
1: Yeah, uh, it, yeah, so I don't have to do with it, but that's one of the reasons, why it's because it's a very important plant, I think of C4 plants, or C3, sorry. Uh, but the Almost identical. To the, the the other plant. To ganja. Yeah, from what yeah. we um the, Is the that nutrient-wise are, wise or yeah, the nutrient requirements, cycle requirements.
0: Yeah, that's why we that's why we switched to the dual root zone planting with the soil layer. The benefits you get from the mycorrhizae. And the terrestrial microbes really help allow for that the denser the denser flowers. You use soil? Yeah, we use a method called dual root zone planting.
1: I always thought dual root zone. Huh?
0: Yeah, if you look on some of the videos on the on the potent ponix YouTube channel, there's um real I made I did a really good how to on how to how to plant the plants up. I still need to do a follow up on dosing, but um so, if you're, if you're I'm if you're waiting- I'm waiting till they get either the the greenhouse here built or the one in Canada built next, which is uh, an announcement I'll do later in the show. Okay, okay.
1: So, so dual root zone is, is a super soil. So or a rule,
0: yeah, yeah. Basically, we do a super soil with a layer of burlap and then a, a media below it, in, in a pot with with a mesh bottom pot so that the water can flow through the bottom and flood and drain the bottom and allow for a high gas exchange and then the soil layer on top that you can supplement and add nutrients to if you need to supplement or make it acidic or very alkaline or alter, you know, adjust it to whatever a particular plant's needs are. Um, The tap roots tend to not care quite as much as the the bulk of the finer nutrient uptake uh, roots, which are generally in your top six to eight inches of, of soil layer with the exception of trees. So... Um, you know they—they're the ones that are very much more sensitive to pH as far as nutrient production and and plant production and yield. So nice. You—you I would trade. What's that? You would trade coconut? coconut. You said,
1: yeah, coconut.
0: I haven't. Oh, coconut husk. Yeah, so coconut husk has its own issues. Um, In the States, they call it cocoa coir. And the problem is that it has a high calcium and magnesium uptake rate. So um, while you can (laughs) grow on it, you have to boost your calcium and magnesium levels approximately 15 to 20% in order to um, make sure that you're accounting for the amount that is uptaken by the the cocoa coir fiber.
1: Oh. Well they don't have that.
0: Yeah. So if you're growing in a, if you're using a lot of coconut husk in your system, be sure that you're dosing extra magnesium and extra calcium because it specifically tar- like uptakes a lot of those two nutrients. Well, this is nine percent we on the ground. Yeah, it's to, like uh, Jamaica. You got lots of of calcium carbonate around.
1: Yeah, so that's probably why you don't see a problem like that. They're topping up with that water.
0: Yeah, plus you, your, your pH of your water is probably real high, yeah?
1: Yeah. So yeah, yeah.
0: Man, it's so, I can't tell you, this is on a separate note, I can't tell you how nice it is to hear someone that speaks at least a little bit of Patois, or at least that accent. <laughs> Having lived in Jamaica for like half of last year, it's so like, pleasant and comforting to speak to someone with your accent <laughs> but, but the guy sitting next to me is like i can't understand half the stuff he's saying no, and i'm like I, I i can understand everything you're saying like this is great like I, you know i'm sorry i just wanted to, wanted to say that <laughs> all right yeah. i just yeah. I, it's just pleasant
1: uh it again Yes. yes. You you grow you water culture?
2: I'm sorry, you're breaking up.
1: You use deep water culture? Yes. yes. What kind of crops you grow?
2: Mostly leafy greens. Uh, also, salt- lettuces, salt- lettuces. A lot of Asian greens. Uh, kales. Watercress. A lot of herbs. Uh, let's see what else we're doing. Lemongrass. Garlic. Um... Mostly leafy grains, that's what, mostly what we stick to
1: okay cool, cool we do we do a lot
2: of experiments as well though uh we've grown hops uh we're doing cucumbers right now uh we've done tomatoes and peppers um,
0: uh lufa um do so uh um we're gonna switch gears for a minute and um yeah. Jessica, why don't you tell us about what you do and um you know a little bit about what it takes to run a farm, and um, you know some of the crops you guys are growing there. Um, for those of you, those of you who don't know, I teach at um, full disclosure. I teach at Ouroboros Farms. Um, I teach the medicinal herb and cannabis class, and um, I know Jessica. I guess reasonably well. I haven't known you that long, but uh,
2: <laughs> yeah. So, so my name is Jessica Patton. Um, I'm one of the owners and um, original founders of Oraboris Farms. Uh, we've been running for five years now, um, and I work mainly with the plants, uh, running running the f- actual farming uh, part of the farm, um, but also uh, am am the farm manager. Um, and it's it's been quite in a. Uh, um, quite a journey over the last five years. I would say that it took Ken and I about a year and a half to kind of figure out what we were doing, um, learning how to farm. Um, but I would say, you know, we've, we've overcome a lot of obstacles and, um, and, and we're, we're doing really well right now. Um, uh, you asked me earlier what it, what it takes to, to run a, uh, and I think that basically, besides the basic understanding of how aquaponics works, um, your basic aquaponics 101, um, it's really finding a, a team that works well together and that has uh, all of the somebody who can excel in all of the different fields. Because it's not just about farming, um, it's not just about growing plants and working with the plants, uh, there's a lot of other, other things involved as well um so so with the the basic farming um, and managing the plants and working with the plants and harvesting um, planting seeding all of that uh, Elise Rudolph uh, who is somebody who we hired about a year ago um, and I work very close with um, we manage most of the plants so uh, with the 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 seeding and the planting and the harvesting, as well as the um, um, crop planning and all that, uh, we we do that. And that to me, that's the easiest part of it. That's that's what I excel in. That's what I love to do. Um, but there's also there's also other sides of it. Um, there's the business side which is the accounting um and the, you know the deliveries and, and talking to customers and all that that's something that ken does um, as well as managing the system um, as far as inputs go and water quality um, and all that um, that's definitely an important part too um, and then your what i consider your dirty jobs which are your your ipm and your um uh, the filters, cleaning the filters, and maintaining the system. That's another big part of it as well. Um, and then something that we've, we've slacked on the last four years, but have recently just um, hired somebody to work with us doing marketing. That's another really big part of it. Um, it's you know, not just managing your website and your website updates, um, and dealing with new customers and all that, but your social media. And um, promoting your classes, the classes that uh, Steve teaches at our farm, as well as Ken uh, teaching the Aquaponics uh, One and the Aquaponics Two class, and then um, the Aquaponics Farming Course. That's a three-day intensive class that that we teach uh, five times this year, I think. Um, so there's a lot that goes into it, and and it takes a it takes a team to run it.
0: absolutely do you want to tell us a little bit about um some of the things that you've learned along the way in your five years i guess maybe a couple of key points as far as advice for people that are looking to start a new farm i know you're one of the you you know you're one of the people that i've I've met that are uh, you and ken are some of the best people i've met some of the handful of people that i've met that are just truly just a joy to be around in, in the industry and um, you know, it's it, it was a pleasure to meet both of you. And I'd love to hear some of your guys, that, you know, things that you guys are into as far as hurdles or advice you have for people that are looking to, to, to start a new neuro- aquaponics farm.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, my, my, main, my main thing would be learn from other people's mistakes. Um, these are things that you don't have to make yourself. If other people have made them and you learn from them, you don't have to make these mistakes. You're going to make plenty of mistakes on your own. This is uh, something that's a given um, with farming. So learn from other people's mistakes. There's plenty of people out there in the industry that have been doing this for quite a while and have experience. Um, and if people are, you know, from what I what I've experienced, people are willing to share um, their mistakes in all aspects of the, you know, the marketing and farming and um, the business aspect, everything. Um, I would say learn learn from what other people have to say. Just listen, uh, connect with other people, and listen. And then also, um, um, start small. I think our first system was twenty thousand gallons, and I'd say I would say start small. Um, figure out how it works before you you know dive into a commercial system. Um, like I said, it took us about a year and a half to figure out exactly what we were doing. Um, And a lot of those, though they were learning opportunities, they were very expensive learning opportunities, um, but definitely worth it. So yeah, start small, figure out your system, figure out, you know, how it all works. Um, And, and have your marketing down. Like I said, that's something that we have just recently tapped into, um, which we could have, you know, could have done a long time ago. Uh, So I would say, I would say, Definitely, definitely get your marketing down. Who are you going to sell to? Um, what are you going to grow? Uh, just because something grows well in your area doesn't mean that you're going to be able to sell it. Uh, There's certain, you know, certain products that have a, a high profit margin, um, but do you know people that are going to buy them? Are you in a market that's that's flooded with those? Are you going to be competing with other people to sell those? Um, these are, you know, these are. Definite things to take into consideration when you're starting your farm. Um, let me think, Steve, other hurdles that we've experienced. Um, I can't stress enough having a good team, having people that you can trust and people that work well together and the people that excel in the areas that they work in. Um, you know, the basic communication of, of um are you going to leave for the weekend? Who's responsible for taking care of something? One of the biggest things that we've experienced um, that was a, a definite drawback for us was leaving somebody in charge of the farm. Uh, when we took a small vacation in in November, we hadn't been away from the farm for you know for quite a long time. It had been a couple of years, and uh, the person left the the water running. He was topping the system off and left the water running uh, for two and a half three days and did a hundred percent water change on a system that was thriving. And when we came back, it took us took us a long time to get the pH back to where it needed to be. Um, so you've got to be able to trust people to run your farm if you're not gonna be there to do it.
0: That's that's a big deal too. What um oh I lost my train of thought for a second. Hold on
3: those are some good insights you know that actually that that advice transcends almost any business uh when it comes to trust and the people and, and that being involved and from a, a, a true sense of what they want to be doing and i don't see why feeding and giving medicine to the all the people around the world would not be something that somebody's truly interested in but you know i'm sure there's enough of them that yes yes I can see how that absolutely
2: and, and another part is that ken and i have experienced in the last five years, that we are such an integral part of the system, we are so part of it that when we walk in, not only can we um, sense with with our senses uh, what's going on with the system, um, if there's an imbalance, you know, from the very second that we walk into the farm, but also we notice that that our um, that our mood has a lot to do, and our energy has a lot to do with how the plants grow as well, and. Um, and what's going on so yeah this is a this is a natural you know ecosystem this is a living thriving ecosystem and we are we are as much of a part of it as the fish and the plants and the microbes um so that's that's a big part of it too
0: we actually added some questions from the chat here so yeah. do you recommend separate systems for veg systems versus, or versus flowering systems as far as Know, leafy greens versus flowering and fruiting and then if so what differences would you recommend for those systems
2: yeah absolutely um, like I said primarily we grow leafy greens and you know um, anything any high nitrogen loving uh, plants but something that actually has just got me interested in within the last couple of months is the dual root zone system and that is making a huge difference uh, with our, our fruiting plants. Uh, they always did really well in the media beds. So I would tend to grow our, you know, our, our uh, peppers and our tomatoes, uh, cucumbers, all of that in our media beds, uh, not only because they're long-term crops that need to be, you know, have trellises or yo-yos or vines, um, but also because um, those are easier to manipulate uh, than your deep water culture. Um, and now the, something that we're experimenting with is the, is the dual root zone, um, which is something that I am relatively new, um, with, but is is working out really, really well. Uh, I, I tend to look at our, our deep water culture as a giant conveyor belt. So, um, anything that goes in there uh, depending on, you know, what kind of cycle we're on. Uh, in the summer, we can get down to a three and a half week cycle. Usually in the winter, we're at about a six or seven week cycle. Um, but it's like a conveyor belt. It's constantly, you know, we're constantly harvesting every week, constantly planting every week. So it makes sense to grow your your lettuce in there and your cut and come again, such as your, you know, mizunas and tatsois and pop choys and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, every, you know, I do a lot of my herbs too in the media beds because those take a little bit longer uh, to to propagate. They just they take a little bit longer to grow, and they tend to, you know, a lot of things like valerian root or something to where you're using the root. That's gonna take that's gonna take a long time to grow. So you're, you know, and they grow better in there. So.
0: Yep. I did a lot of testing when back working at the aquaponics source, and we did a lot of root crops in both media beds and and wicking beds and found that the wicking beds had a, always the best and that followed shortly behind the media beds um for any kind of root type crop um handful of exceptions you know uh you can do a cilantro root hmm. some is actually used medicinally uh and is grows great in rafts or something like that but um you know that that it grows really well that way.
2: Celery yep.
0: How is your new uh, cucumbers and stuff that you started over, oh, they're doing awesome. not that long ago?
2: They're doing really good.
0: Once, you know. they hit the, once they hit that water layer, man, in the next twenty four hours, you can visually see the difference. it's 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 crazy.
2: yeah, absolutely. yeah, that's it. that's that's very exciting. Like I said, this is something that i'm I'm uh, it's, it's very new to me, but it's it's it makes so much sense. It makes a lot of and sense.
0: For those of you guys that aren't familiar with it, I know we haven't touched on it in many, many episodes, but dual root zones basically provide the best of both worlds. So you, you get three separate advantages of it. too. So first off, the bottom part of the root zone is the same as a, as a media bed. It's a flood and drain layer that provides all the gas exchange and all the micro aquatic microbes that you get in a normal flood and drain media bed. The upper half is all of your terrestrial microbes, your fungi, your mycorrhizae, which is extremely important for woodier crops, bushes, trees, cannabis, peppers, um, anything that has a woodier, heavier structure to it. Um, that is, you know, that that anything that produces wood, basically, for lack of a better explanation, not a hundred percent, but we'll say eighty-five to ninety-five percent of the time. Um, And by providing it both with terrestrial microbes, all those terrestrial microbes are providing different compounds of different nutrients to that plant and as well as mycorrhizae layers. And the more research we do, the more that we understand that fungal fungal networks and fungal hyphae are the, you know, primary inputs of nutrients into plants. Um, So by combining that with the aquatic microbes, um, you know your nitrosoma, nitrospira, uh, which you guys have traditionally been taught in aquaponics, but there's also all kinds of um, uh, uh, things that handle phosphorus and calcium and iron and other microbes that you know we haven't identified in the same generalized way yet. Um, that people like Mammoth Mammoth P and some of the other microbial companies are now getting out ahead of the the curve and, and identifying some of this stuff and saying, hey. If you're seeding your stuff with, you know, any of these um, aquarium starters, which are your nitrification stuff, you know, if you're doing plants, maybe you should use mammoth pea or some of these other ones that are doing phosphorus or potassium or they have mammoth K, you know, and some of the other ones. Um, I'm just using it as one example. There's many other microbial products out there that do similar things. Don't. I'm not just trying to push them specifically, but... Um, There's all these microbial networks that break down phosphorus, potassium, zinc, iron, molybdenum, what have you, and without those microbial networks, um, you don't get the proper inputs, and plants have evolved to work with soil networks, but they've also, there's all different types of microbes that break down the same nutrients in aquatics. That's why dual root zone allows for both of those types of, you know, complete Microbial networks that break down all those different types of nutrients and input in the plants, both aquatically and terrestrially, to have their separate inputs. So you're not putting the same type of nutrient in. That's why growing in a dual root zone system allows for such higher nutrient input per day in the plant. You know, when it's talking total ppm levels and microbial exposure, it also allows for higher. Uh, uh, resistance when it comes to microbials because of the fact that it is exposed to both aquatic and terrestrial microbes. So the plant's going to have a healthier immune system so that when it has to, when it's exposed to fungal spores or bacterial, you know, infection, it's not going to react the same way because it has a stronger immune system. It's going to be able to overcome those challenges and, and, and give you the plants that you're looking for. That's why, you know, we rely so heavily on that. Unfruiting, flowering and heavy feeding crops why we put go towards those uh, or even any type of woodier crop to be honest with you um, for the, the dual root zone for those those mycorrhizal networks honestly more than anything else because they provide such a wide range of nutrient inputs directly into the plant then the fungal networks exchange sugars from the plant with nutrients that the fungus isolates that they basically use almost think of it the way that like the stock exchanges they exchange money for stocks and then basically they're trading sugar for for um you know what the what the fungus can provide which is't nutrient so if you think of it in that kind of way or you know I've spoken about this on multiple other podcasts about the, the whole restaurant allegory um, it's it, it's all very similar where they're all trading things to make sure everything runs smoothly and everything operates smoothly and everyone gets a paycheck at the end of the day. Everyone gets fed and everyone gets, you know, whatever they need to do their job on a given day.
2: Absolutely.
0: Sorry to go off on a rant.
2: No, no, that's great. That's great. But also if you're, if you're putting something like uh, tomatoes into your media bed without using dual root zone, you're going to be doing a lot of work trimming off those suckers and, Taking care of the extra nitrogen that that plant is taking up as well,
0: so absolutely,
2: and you're not going to be getting as much as much fruit as you you should.
0: Not to mention, so um, just through my own testing, running on side. For those of you who don't know, I used to work for the aquaponics system and uh, the aquaponic source. I'm sorry, the aquaponic system. <laughs> sorry, one of them. <laughs> yeah, we've been doing a lot of artwork all day. I'll leave it at that. Um. <laughs> um. Anyways, we had three 700-gallon systems um, that we'd run side-by-side tests on for one to three months, depending on what we were testing. Sometimes six months, actually, um, for some of the tests that we did. And what we found was um, – uh, I'm sorry, what was it were we were talking about? again? start out with. Uh,
2: Too tomato. Too many
0: dabs beforehand. Okay. With the – Okay, so with the tomatoes, we'll just use this as an example. We ran tomatoes in the far back, in the raft, and the dual-root zone. In the middle, we just did in the dual-root zone. I'm sorry. In the far back, we did in the media bed and in the raft. In the middle, we did in the raft and in the dual-root zone and the media bed. In the front one, we did two, uh, two dual-root zone and just the media bed. And what we found was... We were also, in addition to that, um, the potassium, phosphorus, and silica uptake from the microbial um, bacteria and mycorrhizae in the soil layer, they were far more able to uptake silica, potassium, and phosphorus and produce much more fruit, and fruit that produ- was larger and higher in bricks content in the uh, uh, you know, one that had two dual root zone versus one dual root zone, a media, and a control, and, you know, just the two media and the control. The control being the raft, obviously. Um, and um, all three of them, you know, the dual root zone out-competed it by almost 38% on average. Um, the one produced 44% more fruit and flowers. It was like 48% more flowers on the tomato plant 44% more fruit and uh, 38% more fruit to term, uh, fruit that turned red, basically. Um, did, you, so, did you
2: notice a difference in the
0: taste? <laughs> yeah, so the biggest things that I, we noticed when testing in aquaponics, in fact, we focused just on taste because we had a um, uh, uh, the lady that used to run the company that they used to work for uh, brought in a guy that was a tomato expert. He was one of the biggest tomato guys on YouTube and one of the best tomato experts in the country, top 20 for sure. And he said that, you know, he gave a really good speech and he was looking at the uh, some of the nutrient analysis that we had sent him from our lab. And he came to the conclusion that the silica and the, the uh, chloride levels were too low and those two were resulting in a lower sugar level in the fruit production. So once we focused on the chloride levels and the silica levels in the fruit immediately are, are, are they started being sweeter. And for those of you who don't understand what I'm talking about, for chloride, you're looking for about 110 parts per million. And for silica, you're looking at at least 80 parts per million, higher if possible. You, know, you can run up to 200 parts per million, but 80 to 200 parts per million silica and 110 plus minus parts per million for chloride. Um, so these and to get maximum products. chlorophyll mm-hmm. and sugar production out of your plants. And that could be tomatoes, peppers, cannabis, you name it, you'll get a better flavor out of it.
2: Cucumbers.
0: Steve. Yeah. Go ahead.
1: These are products that you're I'm, and, and, and I'm sorry, go ahead. These are products that you And I uh, do. Silica products.
2: that. Hey.
0: The silica products, what you're, you're asking about the silica products? Yeah. Is it… Uh, so I use primarily, what I do is I alternate for my pH up, I'll alternate between a calcium carbonate or a dolomite product, which is calcium magnesium carbonate, and a potassium silica product. And by balancing my potassium and my silica and my calcium. Um, because when I add the, cal- the potassium silicate, I'm not adding calcium or potassium, which have to be kept in balance. Um, you know, it allows me to add something that doesn't need to be necessarily kept in ratio with the other one, which is calcium carbonate or dolomite, which is calcium magnesium carbonate, which does need to be kept in, in balance or to have proper yeah. uptake. So uh, le- let me simplify all that because that sounds kind of like gibberish. Um, When you're doing an aquaponic system, you want to have a three-to-one calcium-to-phosphorus ratio. And if you get outside of that, you will get strange plant growth. Because of the way that the aquatic microbes act in your aquaponic system, when you go outside of that, you're either going to get lanky plant growth, or you're going to get not proper flowering, you're going to get uh, too dense flower Growth, uh, uh, node growth. If you go denser than that, it, it just depends on what you're doing. But in general, that's the ratio you're looking for. Now, you also want to do a two to one calcium to magnesium ratio. And if you get it outside of that, you have a hard time for your plants in your system to transport the nutrients inside the system uh, properly around the plant. So potassium, magnesium, zinc molybdenum boron whatever has a hard time being physically transported from the root system up to the rest of the plant if that's out of whack if that that's out of balance Um, and that's those are two ratios that are very important when you're doing aquaponics and some stuff that isn't really talked about much that i teach heavily in my classes that i don't really hear much else in the industry is that three to one phosphorus to calcium and two to one magnesium to calcium ratio Or, I'm sorry, calcium to magnesium. I apologize. Two to one calcium to magnesium ratio. Let me correct myself.
1: I want to ask, I want to (laughs) ask, sorry, one question though about the dual rule. Yeah. Uh, Do you control the the same?
0: I'm sorry, can you repeat that? Just a little... It, it, it get Talk beforehand, like at the beginning and the end of when you talk, because of your delay, it, the audio level cuts off. So if you can give yourself a bit of a delay, like kind of mumble or say something in the beginning before your actual question, and then at the end, it'll help me hear you better. Oh, so what, so what I'm
1: asking, asking you, you is... If, you control the content, the root rules going. If I control
0: that. the what content, I'm sorry. Humus, humus. humus. So humus, uh, humic acid helps a lot with um, nitrogen and and a little bit to some of the other nutrients, but it still doesn't fix everything. it, it does solve some issues, but it doesn't solve everything.
1: So, so, do you actually, actually, I'm not talking about human acid, I'm talking about the humic acid, of your soil.
0: So, humics generally add nitrogen to the system, in general.
1: Okay. Now, I want to add something here. Uh, Before the organic movement, it was actually called humus farming. Right? Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's it, the humus content, the soil, you get the humus content, up around 70. It, it provides the perfect, um,
0: mm, It definitely provides a good ionic balance, for sure, but it definitely has a few... So you me, think, short, for a few shortcomings I guess.
1: For my water, my water uh, source. Rainwater? So my water source.
0: So rainwater has no carbonate hardness and no mineral stability. So you have to add mineral stability to it. For, for my
1: personal water source, because I come the ground.
0: Oh, for micronutrient in source
1: you're saying? Yeah, in Barbados so I can- For a
0: micronutrient source I would I would do either um in Barbados specifically I would give your your I would go collect seaweed on the beach give mm-hmm. it a good freshwater rinse and then dry it and do your own sea you know do your own maxi crop that way you know do your own uh, a a sea- seaweed mix you know dry yeah, that, it in right. the sun after a freshwater rinse and then and that'll provide a lot of micronutrients to your system yeah, I do a ferment. ferment. A that, and The in ferments are even better because the the lactobacillus and other ferments, uh, fermented microbes, uh, anaerobic microbes provide a lot of nutrients in the system. Marty yeah. and I are both huge proponents of that on a regular. I'm
2: a, I'm a big fan of that too. Yeah,
0: yeah. it helps a lot. Um, I know right. I, I've given uh, Jessica a couple of my secret recipes because we're uh, we're friends and. Uh, I'm kind of excited to see some of the stuff that they end up cooking up, and some of the stuff that I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've, told them and taught them. So
2: we're we're pretty <laughs> excited about that. Give it, give us a couple weeks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so why don't you tell us, Jessica, a little bit about some of your IPM and some of your other, like I guess, you know, day to day or weekly things you you know you'd say are more important as far as what's involved in running a farm week to week.
2: Awesome. So. So one of the main things I guess is you know, running an aquaponics farm, you gotta you gotta clean your filters. You gotta do something with your fish waste, and one of the things that we do is uh, we actually remineralize it. So when we clean our filters, we put them into um, mineralization tanks and re, you know, add oxygen to them and remineralize them and add them back to our system, uh, which is an awesome way um, to use,
0: I guess, you know, all of the all of the waste. Can you go into that a little further and explain to people what remineralization is?
2: So so basically it's taking your your anaerobic Fish waste and you're you're adding oxygen to it. So you're remineralizing it. You're 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 getting um, You're you're adding You're getting more you're you're re you're re adding the minerals to that to that anaerobic waste Um, and we we put that back into our system. We put it back in uh, to our media beds, um, and also also into our DWC. Uh, so we so that the the lost minerals that um, that that uh, that happen um, are are remineralized. It's a way of, of using our uh, reusing reusing something that we would normally dispose of. Or some people would dispose of, um, and and that's awesome. Um, so we we do that once a week. We clean out our filters um, on Mondays because we're our retail space is closed. Um, it's kind of a stinky process sometimes. So yeah, we do that. We do that once a week. Um, and as far as IPM goes, we also. Uh, We also do that once a week. We've experimented with a couple different things. Um, We've been, uh, at one point, we were 100% uh, beneficial um, um, insects. And we were, you know, using a lot of ladybugs and lacewings and predatory wasps um, and the like. And what we found is that, yes, it it did work. But our customers, our uh, restaurants especially, were more upset about getting ladybugs in their salad mix than they were about getting aphids. Uh, so that didn't, didn't work out for us. Um, so our, our general IPM or integrated pest management right now is um, making sure that we, we keep up, up on it. We do it once a week. I know that a lot of farms will only spray uh, when they notice pests. And uh, what we've noticed is that doesn't work for us. I know that pests can build up a resistance to sprays if you use them um, use them often. Uh, so what we do is we switch up. So we switch up between a, a soap spray. We use an MPEED soap spray, and then we um, we switch off with we use Azatrol, which is neem based, uh, which you have to be very careful with with fish. Um, but we we switch up, so we we do a spray once a week, and uh, making sure that we um, switch up what we're using so that the pests don't uh, develop a resistance to that. Um, and it's um, just something we it's just something you know you go in and you we have we have problem spots we have hot spots and areas that we have to you know make sure that are um, that we're you know keeping up on. But to be honest with you, I think aphids is our main problem. Um, I've seen white flies on the outside of the greenhouse, uh, very rarely on the inside, um, and I think that's our main our main problem, which I think that you know most people that I know that have farms run into is the aphids, and there are different types of aphids, um, but yeah, just keeping up on it, making sure that it's something that you don't um, you don't let slide. You know how aphids reproduce. Uh, You let it go a day and your, you know, your population is doubled, tripled, quadrupled. It's pretty intense. Um, So that's what we do. And we also, I've noticed that uh, we released about two years ago, we released a predatory wasp in the greenhouse. And that's something that comes back every year. I just noticed them for the first time the other day. They come back every year, which is awesome. Um, So they come in and help out. We definitely have, you know, ladybugs that come in and help out as well too. So Um, that's, that is what we do. But just making sure that you're up on, you're up on top of it. It's something that you have to, you know, you have to do weekly. If you let it slide, that's when you start getting problems.
0: We had a question from Chad. Um, What's the best media to start your leafy greens uh, seeds in before transferring to rafts?
2: So we start out with plugs. We use an iHeart plug, which right now I think that basically consists of um, it's, let's see, what's in those? It's some earthworm castings. Um, I think there's, there's some biochar in there right now. There used to be peat moss in there. Um, I think there's very little peat moss. Um, and then a polymer that holds it all together. So these are plugs that we have. We have trays that have 338 cells in them. And uh, the company that we get these from is actually local to us, so we can reuse our trays. We take them down there, they fill them up, and um, and it just it works for us. I know a lot of people use you know their own their own media. I know people use coconut coir, um, all kinds of different things. Um, but the the plugs that we use are come from a company called iHORT, which is local to us in the uh, in the local area and. That works best for us. Um, we use a vacuum seeder as well, so um, the one that we have fits over our, you know, fits over our trays.
0: And um, do you want to explain to people what a vacuum seeder is? I know I never saw one, so I saw I took your farm course. Oh,
2: really? Uh, so a vacuum seeder is a way of seeding where you do not have to do it by hand. Uh, basically, what it is is it's a box, and the top of it. Um, have holes that fit directly over the holes in the, the plugs that we use. So basically our, our, um, our trays have 338 cells and each one of those cells has a hole in the, in the very center of it. And the, the box that goes over the top of it has a piece of um, uh, stainless steel that has a hole uh, drilled into it uh, we plug a vacuum into it, and the vacuum what it does is it obviously sucks. Uh, we pour the seeds onto there, and it sucks a seed into every hole. Um, and then the excess seeds are pulled, you know, poured off, the, poured off. And when we unplug the vacuum, when it's put directly over the, the tray, uh, a seed will fall directly into each hole um, of our tray. So it basically takes our hand seeding down from, you know, 20 minutes a tray to maybe a minute, a minute and a half, uh, using the vacuum seeder, and it, it's awesome. It works really, really well. Um, if you have a commercial farm, it's something you definitely want to look into, depending on how much seeding you're doing every week. It used to take me about a day and a half to do our seeding. Uh, now we can get it done in a couple hours, so...
0: Yeah, that was one of the coolest things I've saw. Uh, I took the aquaponic um, farm course with Gina, which is the same course that is or same course that is taught with uh, uh, Ken and Jessica out at Ouroboros and um, learned a whole lot of stuff about, um, you know, back when I was still learning about, uh, uh, you know, the commercial aspect of it.
2: Yeah, no, it, it saves a lot of time and time. And after you know, after three years of seeding by hand, uh, I was I was over it. I told Ken, if we don't get one of these, I'm, I'm quitting. <laughs> Do
0: you want to talk about anything else? Maybe you learned um, with that class. You know, uh, maybe other things. Maybe other highlights. People, you have about a, why people should take your your aquaponic farm course. Um, you know, and uh, you know, over some of the other stuff that's out there, or some of the other things you guys emphasize or teach in your class that might be. Uh, you know, uh, more emphasized yeah. or taught in more detail in your class?
2: Yeah, it's real and it's raw. I mean, you get to learn a lot of our mistakes. You you get to learn a lot of mistakes that uh, you don't have to make for yourself. Uh, not only that, but it's held at a commercial farm. So the farm is right there. You can We can show you hands on what we do, um, how we harvest, how we plant, how we seed. Um, everything is right there. If you need an example, we'll take you out into the farm and show you how it's done. Um, And I can't stress enough, just learning the mistakes that that people in the industry have made over the last five, ten years, you know. Um, It helps out a lot. You don't have to make the mistakes. We've made them for (laughs) you. Is
0: there anything else you'd like to, I guess, mention about your classes or you know other things that you've learned along the way or you know maybe how you got started in aquaponics to begin with or you know I know it's kind of a wide range of topics
2: that is a wide range um well I've been farming pretty much my whole life I mean I've been doing you know working small organic farms I have some aquaponic experience um, but I think honestly to tell you the truth it was a Will <laughs> Allen video that Ken watched uh, I think it was titled man grows a million pounds of food on you know two acres of land or something like that." And uh, it just it made sense. I mean, it worked.
0: He's the guy from Growing Power, yeah.
2: Yeah, he is. He's awesome. Okay. If you haven't seen any of his videos, definitely check him out. Um, so, so yeah, it's just it's been a passion of mine. That's this is what I've been this is what I've been into. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. I like to grow things. Yeah, I like to be in the greenhouse, I like to be hands on.
3: I had a comment on as well as on something that you mentioned earlier. You're talking about the mood of your plants and how that affects the way to live. And you know, I thought that I would bring up another uh, video which was which is called The Secret Life of Plants. It, I have that
2: it, I have that book. That was one of the first books that I read.
3: Was... Yes, and they made a film in the 70s in which Stevie Wonder does the music and he sings and you can see him singing about The Secret Life of Plants and it is truly something that I'm amazed that this knowledge is out there but you are not you and anybody else who so feels that their plants are affected by their mood is not crazy. That has been proven no. on a galvanometer um, the, the, the electrical impulse is, is, is a real thing. And they can even feel you when you experience something separated from them. And that the spooky time and space, at the exact same second, they, those plants that you grow truly are connected to the vibrations that you put out there.
2: No, no, absolutely. And the and the water as well. Um, there's been oh, studies. Like stuff. Dr.
3: Emoto. Like Dr. Emoto showing exactly. how you're... The exactly. There's been
2: studies where they play certain music to... to uh, to to water, and they look at the molecules. And there was something I heard one time about how they played Elvis's Heartbreak Hotel, and it, the actual uh, molecules made a broken heart. Um,
3: That's wild. Are you familiar with Dr. Emoto?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, uh, so
3: and he he shows he shows that 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 uh that quantum mechanical that metaphysical connection between consciousness and the physical world. Um, and and for, for us as bodies of, of mostly water and for plants as bodies of mostly water uh, Living in a in a in a world where matter is a slowed down vibration
2: Absolutely. Uh, no, we are we are definitely into the metaphysical aspects. Um uh, One thing that I have noticed I actually had a discussion with a, a guy that we gave a tour to today He was asking about uh, if we played music to the plants and my my answer is yes we do and we've experimented with you know classical music and with other types of music and from what i understand and from what i've gotten is that as long as the music that you're playing genuinely makes you happy that the plants pick up on that
3: so yeah it's yeah i think yeah. They're, they're most concerned with in fact i think that one of the best things to do for your plants is to give them little kisses
2: yes absolutely. Give your plants little kisses and
3: i think that they they really enjoy that one
2: <laughs> absolutely yeah and, and and i noticed too i noticed when we have tours with children when the children come in and they are running around the plants and they're you know younger kids and they're you know they're like little fairies and i notice absolutely that the you know within the day or two that they're they've been there that the plants are are genuinely more happy and that they are uh, more receptive and and they grow they grow different
3: that's exciting and, and on that notion you know plants really are the most noble form of life on earth for they seek nothing to die for them to exist they they are when when people people say when people say that they that they are the sun we all live because of the energy gathered by photosynthesis that the plants have chemically converted into something that we can build our bodies and move our bodies with the 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 energy that beats our hearts and moves our muscles is all something that they have gathered so humbly for us and whether it's from them or the animals that have eaten them it's 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 from the sun ultimately but the plant yes the the plant feels you and 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 reveals you to the illumination that is life, and I and I think and I think it's, it's awesome that there's people out there. And in turn, and in turn, opinions. when you
2: eat when you eat that, it it gives you life as well, and it gives you a better quality life. That's
3: different- that, yes, and that's why I say every time before I eat, whether it's whether it's animal or vegetable, I'm gonna I'm just gonna throw this out here in my little time on this podcast, but I say this prayer. I say. I would like to thank all the life that's here sacrificed before me so that i may live another day and what i may do with this day i would like to thank all the time and all the people all the efforts and all the culture that it took to bring this meal together and i would like to thank you all for sharing this meal with me alakazam
0: beautiful (laughs) when you think about that more though too though like think about all the vegetables and shit like you know Think about all the cannabis that we have. Like, without a couple thousand years of people working with that plant, we wouldn't have big, dense nugs. We'd still have a tiny little flower structure. You know what I mean? Yeah. We wouldn't have any of the stuff that we even smoke, or use, or eat. Or look at corn. Corn grew from something that used to look like wheat, and now it's something big enough that you can eat. You know what yeah, I mean? It it's to it's totally crazy. You know what I mean? One, like
2: One thing I hear from, from customers that come into the retail space when they look at our display, they look at our, our lettuce that we're selling, they say that looks too beautiful to eat. <laughs> I just want to look at it. And that's awesome. one thing that comes to my mind is when you, when you really love something, you let it grow, right? If you right? like something, if you like a flower, you're going to pick it. But if you love it, you're going to let it grow. Yeah.
0: Heck yeah! Well, this has been uh, an awesomely spiritual episode. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yes, yeah, I think there's a lot of love here
0: between both think, of you. I think I think
3: the plants feeling it too. I think they just, they're thriving and surviving out there in the in the whatever, whatever, All, whether, whether it's tropical heat or whether it's uh whether it's cold San Francisco weather. I'm sure those plants are digging this as much as we are. Absolutely, All
0: three of you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, I I wanna add one more to Okay, what was that? I'm sorry. Yeah, I want to add. One yeah, yeah. Go add? ahead.
0: Go yeah. ahead, brother. Uh,
1: the job of the accountant is to you the the what the basic unit of consumption to the actual process the process of photosynthesis. That's the job of the accountant. To efficiently <laughs> what. To the best support this
0: absolutely hmm. very nice it's so nice to have people from all over the world on this podcast yeah you know, not only this episode but just all the different episodes we've done so far we've had people from all over you know writing this I've had uh, people come from as far away as Ukraine. And Slovenia, and I've had people message me from Jordan, and China, and Japan, and you know Indonesia, and the Philippines. The Philippines, where they're killing people right now for smoking weed. It's legal to shoot people in the street if they have a joint in their in their hand. That's perfectly legal in the Philippines. And this guy had took the time to tell to write me to tell me he's growing aquaponics in Jordan, where this guy can be is beheaded. And on all over the world, you know, think about that when you're smoking a joint, like, and and what, if you're in a legal country or in a in a legal state or medicinal herb, you know, medicinal state, or, you know, God, you know, if you're in a, a blessed enough to be in a legal state like California or Colorado, you know, there's people out there that still can be murdered for simply trying to grow or enjoy this plant that we all enjoy and, or even trying to do aquaponics they associate the word ponics with cannabis mm-hmm. um you know even asking other people about aquaponics it can be an issue in certain countries you know remember that when you when you're talking about this kind of stuff and remember that when you're practicing this you know this is a you know an episode that's been a little more powerful than normal our normal episodes are and it's really cool to have this kind of discussion on the show and one of the reasons why i really enjoy doing this show every week you know you know well, how many other shows do you get this kind of feedback on you know i really appreciate you know, getting some of the guests that we have on the show and people that take the time to join us. Give us their own experience in this, you know, uh, agricultural industry.
2: Absolutely, Steve. And you know that our our primary primary uh, growing goal is is growing food. But I would like to give a shout out to the to the cannabis industry for all of the technology that has um, come out of it. I mean, lighting and and you know, nutrients and everything. It's, it's been a, it's been a, a, a journey that I think we as an industry would not be where we're at right now if it wasn't for the cannabis industry.
0: Well, one of the things that I would love to see be translated over to the aquaponics industry from the cannabis industry and that I really want to spend this next year Um, pushing on the aquaponics industry and emphasizing in the industry and pushing into the people that are involved in the aquaponics association is we need to get onto a set pesticide list and a set nutrient list the same way that legal cannabis does, okay? So for those of you aren't aware, those of you that operate in Colorado or Oregon are already fully aware of this. Um, Oregon and Colorado have a list of pesticides that you're allowed to use in cannabis and it would be wonderful to see a federally registered list of pesticides that were registered to be usable legally in aquaponics. And as long as your products didn't register positive for any of those, that you could legally sell that under an aquaponics label that could be registered separately from organic or from you know, regular produce, or even in addition to organic, organic aquaponic. You know what I mean? Having right. a separate regular, label. Regular
2: regular produce.
0: Exactly. <laughs> I, exactly. I think
2: we're heading. I think that's where we're heading right now, as far as the aquaponic label goes. It is by far uh, by the way that we grow. Uh, it exceeds organic standards. And
0: Absolutely. And that's one of the things that I love about the cannabis industry is that the cannabis industry, as far as pesticides, also accounts not only for consumption and how your body would uptake it if you digested it when it was sprayed onto a plant, you know, within a week of harvest, which is – for those of you that aren't aware, most of your pesticides are allowed up to within a week of harvest in case you weren't aware of that. Now, in cannabis – almost all people that that grow cannabis stop spraying damn near anything within two weeks of harvest in case you weren't aware of that now a handful of unscrupulous cannabis growers will spray up till a week of harvest now because of the advent of pesticide residue testing and microbial testing they're getting nailed to the wall on that shit. and um if you're one of these unscrupulous growers, you're going to get nailed for that. As it should what be. we need to do with the aquaponics industry is have a set list of aquaponic-approved pesticides that we know will not affect human, fish, microbial, or plant health when used as directed, uh, assuming they're being used as directed, within a certain PPM levels, which is easy enough to test for when you're talking about consumer... Uh, consumer health, as far as that's concerned. Uh super easy to test for. Um, Absolutely. It, it, you know, are, you, are people using the registered list of pesticides or nutrients that are allowed within the industry? Now cannabis in Colorado and Oregon is being held to that standard. If you use something that's not allowed on their list, you're immediately banned from sale. You can't sell the medical, you can't sell the recreational. And you're you're screwed out of the whole industry. You know, you're immediately blacklisted from the whole thing. You can't sell anywhere. Well, that um, brings
2: up that brings up another point as well, Steve. Is that a, a lot of uh, let's say soil-based organic farms? It they it doesn't matter what you put into the soil um, before you plant, and that has a lot to do with source water too. In aquaponics, is that you're
0: absolutely if, if
2: what you add to your water once you add it, not what is actually in the source water itself.
0: And you're blessed enough to be on well water, but not unfortunately not everyone enough is. And you know, setting some kind of standard where saying, hey, look, your entrance level water going into the system should have this parts per million level for XYZ nutrient across the board so that people going into the industry know, okay. This is the kind of filtration I need to have. This is the kind of filtration I need to have on my system when it's running so that it is it, it does not exceed these XYZ nutrient levels. And I think that's some of the some of the standards that are missing from the aquaponics industry that will absolutely help bring standardization and not only standardization but it'll help Producers, if I give you a list of IPM sources, you know, pest solutions that say, hey, this solves aphids, this solves thrips, this solves uh, beetles, uh, Japanese beetles, this solves, um, you know, whatever, uh, 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 caterpillars, whitefly, this solves whitefly, that gives you a source list of stuff, okay. I'm an aquaponics producer, I can go to my federal government website, I can get a good list of stuff that I can buy from my local producer that can then solve the solution to my problem. Not only does it help my industry that I'm trying to help grow and thrive, that I'm passionate about because of how much it helps with water consumption. It also helps ensure that the other people that I'm doing what I'm doing are also holding to themselves to the similar standard and also following by the same beliefs and making sure that we're all on the same page. They're also not harming the in- industry or harming the producer in any way that that's going to affect them the same way that I wouldn't want to. And it's uh, you know setting out a simple like aquaponic permit or aquaponic producer permit or something along those lines that gives them a uh, you know, not only tells them they're not allowed to use certain things, but at the same token, gives them the answers to the same problems we're told that they're not allowed to use, which is something that has to happen. If you tell someone no, you have to give them the solution. Because if you go, tell, tell them someone no, it doesn't matter what the question is, you have to give them the solution. Because if you don't, you're an asshole. That's the definition of an asshole. This is someone that tells someone they can't do X, Y, Z without giving them a solution or a, a positive, you know, outcome to that that thing. That's literally the definition of an asshole. Uh, you, you, you can be more PC or polite, if you want all that, but that you know, <laughs> um, you know, in my opinion. So if we provide these people with the, you know, reasonable solution, you're Sorry. Um, Sorry about that. Um, If you provide people with the solution to the, the problem and tell them what the problem is, they have no excuse not to do the correct answer or the correct solution. And by doing so, you can hold them to a higher account because you provided both the problem and the solution to them and they have no reason not to follow your direction. Absolutely. Sorry to rant again.
1: That's great. You know, Isn't awesome. a that, That's on the cutting edge, huh? Go ahead. You, you're on the cutting edge of, of the uh, standardization of this kind of thing. So I like to hear that, you know?
0: It's just something I'm passionate about and something where I've seen it work very well for other industries and how it worked well for curtailing some of the people that were trying to take unnecessary and borderline or completely illegal uh, shortcuts or using things like yeah i'll use a, a great example of this eagle 20 in the cannabis industry eagle 20 is a great fungicide it's a great fungicide if you're growing um vegetables and you can spray them and you're being consumed orally. It's 100 it's totally fine. You'll have no problems with it. It's 100% approved for that and has been for 60 years. The problem is if you spray that on cannabis and then you smoke it, when you introduce the heat from a lighter, it turns it separates the arsenic from the other thing and basically isolates the arsenic and you can actually die from arsenic poisoning. From Eagle Twenty, so there's certain chemicals and certain insecticides that are specific um, to cannabis that are much more that so pose a much more hazardous um, toxicity than other pesticides would because of the fact that it's combusted. That's why tobacco and cannabis specifically need to have. Honestly, to, to be honest with you, what I'd love to see ultimately out of this whole industry is a separate USDA classification for inhalants and include mullen, cannabis, and tobacco. All three of those or anything else that someone would ever possibly consider smoking, to be honest with you, um, in that category. Because look… it. I there's no reason I am a big proponent nothing should be illegal I don't I don't care how crazy or it or, or 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 how much something a drug can can mess you up everything should be legal but at the same time everything should be regulated to the point where pesticides aren't going to kill you and all this other stuff shouldn't kill you and if you're smart enough to do a reasonable dosage it's up to yourself to decide what to do you know I'm a, I'm a big I'm far enough left to where I'm almost borderline libertarian you know I think it uh, when it comes to personal intake, you know, that's your own responsibility to decide what you put in your own body. And people need to have, on, on, on that token, people need to have the correct information uh, to decide what to input into their body. And without proper information on things like inhalants, what, which is why I'm so passionate about like cannabis and tobacco and a handful of other herbs like mullen should be considered into that inhalant classification uh, where they account for these inhalant type things where combustion is accounted for in in the things and this also spills over to concentrates. so think about it in the ways of of um of rosin or think of it in the way of like um uh, 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 a CO2 oil or, or DAB, any kind of DAB concentrate, you know, you're looking at, you're concentrating that pesticide if you're doing it. So if you're concentrating that pesticide, it's even more toxic. So this is the reason why those type, particular handful of crops, you know, it's maybe three to ten crops, you know, worldwide need to be isolated, Kana being another, I'm just thinking off the top of my Kana being a fourth one. Um needs to be isolated and separated and say hey these crops need to have a separate higher standard to their you know crop not only growth but harvest and harvest level residue because of the threat that they propose, propose uh, threat they pose to consumer health Yo I have one comment on that As the
3: producers <laughs> Y'all, we all set the standard of what the consumer seeks. If we want there to be a standard, all we got to do is offer it. The consumer is seeking the best that they can get. So I propose that what Steve's talking about over here with a certain set of, of, uh, of uh, essentially what he's calling regulations, but I'm really just calling standards. We start and the governments will catch up exactly because they get the money from the industry and if we are the producers that they of shit that they ain't making themselves uh, sorry, sorry i'm on the radio of things they ain't making themselves well then we set the standard the government catch up catches up because they want the money where the industry coming is coming is coming from and the consumer wants the best so therefore um, it's up to us, really, whether or not we want to set our own standards at, at the level in which Steve is talking about here. And I think, and I think, I think he's right on the le- right level, which we want the best for our people of planet Earth because we all got love for everybody
0: up in here. Don't you know what I'm saying? Exactly. It's up to the industry to lead the way on this type of stuff in order for us. If we don't, who the who will? No one will. If we don't, because you think the Trump government's going to lead the way on, on this? Kind? No, 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 they aren't, you know, <laughs> that, that's, that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, that they're not, not going to lead do. the way on anything.
2: We have been leading the way from the beginning.
3: Exactly. Yeah.
2: Yep. yep. On the, 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 the breaking floor. Breaking
3: floor. So let's continue. So do you
0: want to? Do you want to tell us a little bit more about some of the other things you feel like are you know important for people either going into a, looking into start a farm or you know day to day life or you know other advice you have for people looking to start a new farm that sure. uh, they might sure. not be able to find elsewhere?
2: You're you're gonna start a farm and you you better believe that you're gonna eat, drink and breathe it. This is your life. You're going to be doing this all the time. Uh, this is an integral part of our family. Um, my child is a big part of this business as well. Um, she helps out. Um, she, she understands that, you know, when you first start out too, you're going to be working a lot. You don't get holidays off. You don't get, you know, work all the time. Plants grow. Farm.
3: Well, you know, it sounds like you're teaching her some of the most, uh, uh, quintessential lessons of learning to meet her food. On the real level of where it comes from you know all those children out there who have just been told it comes from the grocery store and you got to get these tickets of a fluctuating value um, in order to get at that um she might be far more empowered when it comes to any instability that might affect such large communities of people who uh, are are um are dependent on such such (laughs) specific what's the word specified adaptations
2: no, absolutely. And she grew up working a farmer's market. She learned how to how to barter and how to communicate with people and how to, uh, you know, talk the value of a product. This is something she's, you know, she's been doing for a long time.
3: And grow the product sounds like.
2: Growing the product. Actually.
3: That's really that's really where the value was created.
2: Absolutely. Um, what was your original question as far as the advice for starting a farm?
3: we 're trying to help everybody get on a level you are so that people can attain autonomy and and, and people that can prosper in the process of, of doing so for those around them who who are who are still learning so yeah, yes yeah. what, 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 what bring, simple tips bring what big, basically was bring big, question bring, yeah
2: being big but but be realistic in the same sense um, one of the things I hear when people are starting you know starting their farms and they have all these ideas and this is this is you know this is great and this is gonna happen um, but realistically, how are you going to make that happen? You know, action. I want. I want to see what you're doing. Uh, show us what you're doing. There's a lot of talk out there. Show us what you're doing. Um, and start small. You know, know what you're doing before you start a commercial size farm. Um, have your customers ready. Have your customers lined up. Um, anybody can grow a product, but you, you know, to be uh, to be successful as far as making money and having a thriving business, you. have got to sell your product uh, farming doesn't make you money uh, selling your product does and um let's see
0: we had a, a question from chat what's the general feeling about building material standardization of the aquaponics industry for example i see a lot of raft materials being used
2: uh i would i would the rafts we use are food grid a lot of people use dow blueboard that is not food grade.
0: Yeah, Dow Blueboard has a flame retardant in it. So anyone or any company that's selling you that isn't fully educated on what's in it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. No, we use we use a food grade um, a food grade raft,
0: but um uh, you guys use Beaver them. boards, yeah,
2: we do. We use Beaver boards. We've been using them for five years now, too. So you know, we we get the occasional raft that breaks with you know. Um, certain overload or or whatever but no we've been using the same boards for for five five years Um, I love them
0: yeah I mean it's always about having a few extras on hand you know you're always gonna have a few break or a few accidents or a few you know ones that just end up being manufactured funny or whatever
2: yeah we have started out too. I mean they make all different you know all different um, uh, sizes also we have you know they're all two by four boards um, but we do have 18 holes. We have 28 holes, 36 holes, 72 holes. So it depends on what you're planting. If you're going to plant something that's super dense, um, you know, a lot of our super baby heads that we sell go into 72s. A lot of our, you know, uh, red vein sorrel things are going to be cut really, really small go into 72s. Um, and then if we're, you know, growing out a normal baby size head, that'll go into 36s. Um, but our adult size heads, they go into 18s. So it you know it depends on what you're growing, um, but yeah they're they're definitely looking to that. I I I would not use delt blueboard I think that that's pretty gross, but that's just interesting.
0: Now, uh, do you have any other tips or tricks or any special you know maybe anything that you've learned that you can pass on to the audience that uh, might help them with their grows or day to day kind of stuff?
2: I'm sure I'll think of it right after I get off air. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know I mean if if this is something you're passionate about then do it it's you know I don't consider this work this is something that I absolutely love to do um, like I said, I can't stress enough have a know what you're doing and have a good team don't um, don't hesitate to ask questions ask people questions people have made these mistakes so you don't have to do it um, there's there's a lot of lot of good information out there. There's a lot of misinformation out there as well, but there's a lot of people that are passionate about this and um, can teach you a lot of things. Um, you know, we we offer a lot of courses as well um, that we're very passionate about. I know you teach the aquacronic classes and the uh, medicinal herbs classes. Um, if, you know, if that's something that you're interested in doing, yeah, take take a class, take ten classes, take them. You know, take a lot of different classes
0: and um, there's definitely something that I realized especially working on the aquaponics sources that like it, it doesn't matter who you take the class from but go take a class Go take a seminar, go learn all the different aspects of aquaponics because you might get a really good rundown on a a particular section of it in a a YouTube video or something, but you're not gonna get the whole picture. You're not gonna get all the different components that go into running a a system from beginning to end. And that's one of the biggest things that I would say, like it doesn't matter if you're taking a a $50 class or a $500 class or a $1,000 class, Go take a class from somebody, anybody. Uh, don't take everything they they can to heart. Um, you know, on a, you know, obviously take it from someone like me or Ouroboros or some of the other more accredited um, farms out there that have been around for a long time or been teaching for a long time or you know doing some of the more advanced stuff out there. But even if you don't take it from one of us, go take it from somebody so that you have a good understanding of all the beginning to end. Um, I know when I worked for the Aquaponics Source, at least four times, I had someone call me up that had a you know a full aquaponics farm, full greenhouses, you know the whole nine. No idea what you know how to balance pH, no idea how to do iron, you know. and yeah, it's and I, like, I, I how that. did you spend no, no, no. that amount of money and then have no idea how to do some of the most basic stuff in a system? But this stuff happens. And it's yep. because you weren't aware that it was an issue until it was right in front of your face.
2: Yep. Learn learn from other people's mistakes. You know, take a lot of classes and, and if 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 somebody out there says there's only one way to do it,
0: um they don't know what they're talking about.
2: They don't know what they're talking about. Yep.
0: You know, there's
2: there's there's so many different climates and um so many different issues. And and yep. my my greenhouse the two systems in our greenhouse, we have two thirty thousand gallon systems. Um, running side by side with the same water, um, everything, and they are they are completely different. They have lives of their own. So, yeah, there's yep. there, there are different um, there are different issues that everybody is going to be facing.
0: So. Absolutely, and it could depend on how many fruiting crops versus veggie crops you have the species of veggie crops, unless they're completely identical, you're not gonna get the same result. You nope. know, if you have even even having different types of lettuce, for example, can cause yep. a dramatic difference. And I've seen this personally doing consulting, enormous differences in calcium level, phosphorus level, magnesium level, silica level in terms of what they uptake per week because the varieties are different. You know, and even so
2: basic pH. I mean even Yep. Even the pH, yep.
0: Yep, the microbial life in your system will drip very dramatically from system to system this is why it's so important you know at least once a month to get you know send out you know spend the 40 or 50 bucks per system to send out once a month to get your total ppm levels because it will help you you can adjust for those nutrients i even if it's once every 30 days it still gives me something to aim for so that i can make my adjustments over the course of the next 30 days and help try and balance some of the systems i'll get better flavor i'll get better production i'll get better you know um heavier weights I'll get faster growth whatever it is that you're you're running short on um you can solve a lot of these issues that are kind of you know semi common aquaponics production issues where they're not quite hitting target but they're they're everything's growing well it looks great it's producing but you're not quite hitting the same targets as hydroponics and that's really what I've emphasized on my teachings and and stuff that I've tried to dial in, you know, and running comparison. What we have in aquaponics is, and and for those of you that aren't aware of this, so aquaponic or hydroponic producers go out there, they dump, you know, hydroponic nutrients directly into the system, and then they're producing the vegetables. We are uh, uh, allying ourselves with microbial. Um, bacteria, all different types of microbials, uh, both fungi and microbial, and using them uh, to produce a high level of available nutrients and dosing mostly in fish waste but to a small percentage and some supplemental. Uh, 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 dosages. Um, some chemical nutrients, and not by chemical. I don't necessarily mean synthetic. You know, a lot of that is organic. Most of it's organic, um, but sometimes we use some non-organic minerals. Um, it, just how it is. It's just what works best, or the what mineral compounds you know are the best for the given situation, and. Um, we're able to provide things in extremely high bioavailability levels compared to the hydroponic systems where both of them have, you know, as far as what the plant needs to produce at maximum level are the same, but maybe one is offering it at 200 parts per million. The other ones offer at 140 parts per million in an aquaponic system, just giving an example. Um, versus a 200 parts per million in a hydroponic system, but the plant only needs 110 parts per million. So both of them are hitting the target, but you know what I mean. Both of them are hitting it equally. You um, know, one, so
2: thing, one thing we've noticed bringing up the difference between hydroponics and aquaponics is that you know, uh, uh, hydroponics wanting a very sterile environment. We're mimicking a river, river, lake. Stream ecosystem, and so the mo- the more biodiversity that we actually have in our system, the more stable that it is.
0: Absolutely, yeah. that that's why I push the dual root zone. It gives you even more bio biodiversity because you get both the terrestrial and the aquatic, especially for trees. So I I've I'm one of the, I I don't know anyone else that's grown as many different species. And if someone would like to correct me, I'm happy to bow to them 100. percent. But I don't know. I've grown almost 35 different species of trees so far and, and counting. Um, and, in aquaponics, and I found that if you give them a two thirds soil layer to one third flood and drain layer at the very bottom, and just make the very bottom of the root zone flood and drain, and make the upper two thirds soil layer with a dosable, uh, you know, you, you basically top feed with system water, and that's it. Just gets the nitrogen and whatever else is in there. Occasionally, these plants will need additional supplementation but, or trees, but not very often. It's just, it, it's in a, you know, only when they're flowering, to be honest with you um uh and silica I, I I'm very big on silica I maintain at least a 100 parts per million silica in all my systems uh, I found that it makes a night and day difference in in my fungal outbreaks especially aquaponic systems I found and whenever nitrogen you're all
2: on... right do you run that higher when you're uh, fruiting, fruiting flowering nitrogen no your silica
0: my silica no I run my silica constantly uh, between 80 and 120 parts per million um, I'll run about 80 in vegetable systems and about 120 in cannabis systems. And those are my targets. And if I'm flirting with that plus minus 20 to 30 parts per million, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Um, minus maybe 10 to 20 plus maybe 30 to 40. Um, um, I, I have systems that are as high as 200 parts per million silica that I have no problem. So as far as I can tell in my own internal testing over the past three years, I've never hit a toxic toxicity level with silica. Um, silica is one of the most highest both and bioavailable nutrients in soil. So if you're a soil grower, it's one of the nutrients that's constantly available that is very rarely mentioned when you're talking about soil chemistry, but is in high bioavailability High. Bioavailable, bioavailable. <laughs> high bioavailability levels and makes a big impact on plants Uh, immune systems and plants' ability to fend off both fungal and bacterial infection so that your plants have a stronger immune system when it comes to powdery mildew, fungal infections, insect attack. Um, It just makes the plants um, better able to fend off those and produce hormones and compounds that are otherwise distasteful to all three of those things that generally discourage plant growth.
3: Quartz. So what I see here is that the good knowledge learned from experience from uh, people like Jessica and Steve and the and the and the good machine that Damien here is talking about putting together and making it accessible for the world on the internet. If all this can come into a good conjunction in which people can go and find out either how to create something that's accessible for all people that works really well, and make and make their own a uh, 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 sustained business from that or just go about doing it. That the more compiled and and, and integrated this this knowledge gets into a form that more people can access, which is which is already what's happening in this very podcast is what's going to liberate people from the dependencies upon poisonous foods and medicines and uh, and bring them together around the table of the truly best.
0: And it's Um, very
2: inspiring, very, very inspiring.
0: And on that note, too, um, for those of you that haven't seen it, uh, True Aquaponics actually had a great post this week on powdery mildew and how to prevent it, both mineral mineral wise and and treatment wise. Uh, you know, both preventative and treatment wise. Um, he had a great, great po- uh, post on his website that was pretty well uh, shared on on uh, the aquaponics realm this week. Uh, that I'd love to touch on. Um, just just on that note, uh just wanted to mention that because it was one of the better written articles I've seen in a while. So
1: absolutely. So I want to share some with me this weekend, Eric. Go ahead. Uh, it was the the largest agricultural show on the island called AgriFest this weekend. So we put them on our component system down there to show to, to the public. Um, one thing got rid of with the aqua of that, what it is. and the benefit is
2: that you got the bacteria.
1: Whereas in uh, if you're dealing with traditional, land-based animals, bacteria got to multiple on the solid manure to consume it. But in aquaponics, you got the bacteria. So when the manure is created most immediately convert uh a VM farm, right? In a matter of minutes or hours. Whereas if you do VS manure
0: it, I don't know, we right? absolutely that that's yeah, a great that's a great point yeah, just, that you bring up. Um E. coli go ahead.
1: Yeah, I find a lot of people understand that that where, where the, the benefit for the farmer is that you get into to grow a protein and immediately convert the the waste into uh uh input rather in lamb long, long like in between collecting that manure and processing that manure, putting it to the plant. But well, because the and the water is what moving up, you know, collecting went up in your immediately. That that uh the is was allowed to be so profitable.
0: Absolutely, that's one of the things that we've noticed, or you know, I you know, don't even take my word for it. Um the University of Hawaii has done a five-year study on um, aquaponic systems against soil systems, and even when they introduced salmonella and E. coli and other, um, you know, bacterial um, pathogens, they found that not only could the plant roots filter them out, but the microbial, um, inhabitants or microbial, um, uh creatures that live within an aquaponics system actively hunt down and eat and consume especially things like trichoderma and sh- and, and some of the other beneficial microbes that are in an aquaponics system actively hunt down and consume things like e coli and salmonella i'm just using that as one one example but um, you also have the worms, the black worms and red worms and some of the other microbes in the system as well as amoebas that all consume these pathogens that would generally be, you know, food, called f- cause food safety issues um, in, in the industry and that, you know, are actively bred out in your system. It's one of the nice things about aquaponic systems. despite. Many, 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 many farms across the country and around the world, there isn't a single case throughout every single aquaponics farm in all of history of there ever being a food pathogen outbreak as a result of an aquaponic cannabis farm. Wow. And it's because, it's simply because in an aquaponic system, you have all these beneficial microbes and bacteria that simply outcompete things like Pythium or salmonella or A. coli, there's no lillipathy or allopathy or other um, uh, metabolites even from from your, any of your microbials or other biological organisms that are built up enough and and not consumed immediately by another microbe to cause any kind of pathogen outbreak. And that, you know, when you have a high level of microbial activity, you don't end up with enough waste material to build up salmonella or E. coli or any of these other things like you do with soil or some of the other ones. And it just happens to do with microbial population.
2: Biodiversity.
0: Exactly. Biodiversity and microbial population, you know, will solve everything if you have them in the right balance.
1: And I also noticed noticed that. The actual concept of, that you were now speaking of, that you know this way, is kind of difficult for other farmers yeah, the grass, and that's because farming as a country it, As in yeah. you add nitrogen and that kind of thing. But in reality, these things is uh, the direct consequence of the activity. So Perfect. once you're any biological activity in your aquaponic system, you're getting the CMR more uh access to nutrients.
0: Absolutely.
3: Well, good people of the aquaponic world, <laughs> you keep on carrying on and waving that flag of the good future of an abundant fed and medicated. World, uh, you keep on shining with that. We're going to keep on shining too, and as long as we keep on communicating, you know the world will soon learn to keep up with the good standards of the good food and the good health and the good things in which is the bounty of this beautiful earth here for us to have. Absolutely. Amen. We want to thank you (laughs) here at. Thank you, you. potent ponics. We love we love
0: C Funk. He's always a uh, he's almost a rigid and uh positive preacher, we like to say.
3: There you go. <laughs> yeah, a cartoon
0: character, you know, whatever. He does a lot of uh the more the more incredible artwork here and uh he's a, a very big inspiration and uh many other things here. He helps out a lot as far as his way enough
3: about me. We were just trying to wrap it up and gave you all the proper props that you deserve. Thank That's you cool. We want to make
0: sure he gets his spotlight, too. He's, uh, I'm, we might I'll bring keep
3: him. Shining, as I want you to as well. You <laughs> keep shining. Keep on shining
0: now. We'll bring him on the show again here uh, more often. Keep uh. <laughs> <Shining. laughs> I very much appreciate having you both on the show. Um, Thank you I so much. To- I was, uh, I'd love to actually, uh, let me throw a random question out to the both of you. Um, What are y'all's opinions on the the recent um, uh, Trump administration's actions against the cannabis industry and them, uh, you know, negatively regulating the, uh, calling for crackdowns on the industry?
2: I'll,
1: I'll let Damien take this one. I have I have a strong opinion, but I'm uh... <laughs> well, uh, not. No, you've got to tell me what it is that he did. What
0: did he do? Oh, Are you so. Are familiar uh, with it? Okay, I'm sorry. I guess Damien isn't included. And so, for those or, of you that didn't listen to last week <laughs> or um, anyone oh. else, when um, Trump administration has said they're going to come after recreational cannabis producers, but thankfully, uh, for those of you that aren't aware, in 2014, the um, Congress of the United States passed a law saying it is illegal for any federal funds to ever be spent on cracking down on medical cannabis users as long as they are abiding by state law. So as long as they are following state law, meaning they aren't growing more than they aren't supposed to, they aren't doing anything illegal like... Doing open air CO, you know BHO blasting in their backyard, and in a, or in their kitchen in an apartment complex to be even a, more of a oh shit case. Don't ever do that. If you do that, I will find you and I will slap you. Um, <laughs> um, make sure you don't do that. But yeah, assuming you are following state law, it is illegal for federal funds to be sent after you or spent on you to prosecute you for cannabis possession if you're a medical patient. America. In America.
2: Used to be. Used to be.
0: No, 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 no. That is still that is still the case. That is exactly what Jeff Sessions said. And he said that that the same law does not apply to recreational users and that Congress never passed a recreational user law. So if you're medical, you're straight. But if you're a wreck, you're in trouble. Which is why Marty has been having migraines the last couple of weeks and why he is not now moving and why you didn't get a live stream from his farm the other day. Because the recreational market has since had the literally, and I I, I'm, I was involved in a bunch of recreational ones that I am no longer, I, three separate projects literally had the rug pulled out from underneath me. I'm telling you that live on air. I don't want to tell you that. It's borderline embarrassing to tell you that. But Jeff Sessions caused that. So did the Trump administration. They pulled the rug out from underneath three projects that I had that were, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars out of my pocket. The progress takes a lot of courage. So, so you so know. Med- the fe- med- medical is not uh, cooperative. Medical is legal. Recreational is not legal under the federal administration's current guidelines, yes. I'm asking.
2: Currently. Currently
0: currently who, who produces
1: medical is it like- who produces
0: medical? Yeah. medical is produced by certain producers that are medically licensed that have a separate regulatory structure than the than the recreational producers they have two completely different recreation or I'm sorry two completely different uh, regulatory structures depending on the state every state is magnificently different uh, in oh. terms of what they require and do not require, and re- difference between medical and recreational production. Uh, Colorado, for example, requires part um, very very uh, detailed, high accuracy percentage testing on medical production and and cannabis, and does not require it on. I'm sorry, requires it on recreational, but not medical, unless citizens changed since I left four months ago, or five months ago, or. Yeah, in November. So I guess four months ago. So unless they've changed this year, um, that is the case. On recreational medical. Yes. So recreational is held to a much higher standard. Okay. Which makes no sense, which we can all agree on. <laughs>
3: There's going to be Marvel Greens. They've already got the already got the word Marvolo Greens. They already got the already got set up. They're planning on corporatizing. It's going to be some corporate shenanigans.
0: Yeah. Philip Morris. So what? Um. So what? Are your business. So actually, it's funny. I actually, on a separate note, I was approached by Philip. Full disclosure: I was approached by Philip Morris not that long ago because they were looking into long-term switching to cannabis. So the industry is eventually switching. They they understand that tobacco is not the future of their industry. They understand cannabis is, and they're going to switch. It's just a matter of they have more money to throw around and more lobbyist money and more other things and while i'm not going to get involved with them it was interesting to see them have interest in aquaponic cannabis production as a method of cheap production in the large scale
1: Uh, i think i got a pretty good understanding though
2: yeah i i i would love to chime in but i have a a child i need to put to bed
0: (laughs) do you need to get going
2: i'm gonna get going in a minute Steve. i um,
0: just do you want to do you want to step on, out and, and plug on this,
2: while. It's, it, this is a whole other topic i think you need to do a whole well, other podcast and this is
0: why i love this has been an amazing episode i love the fact of how spiritual this episode is and how the fact that we had these two amazing guests that are both able to feed up on that i guess we'll wrap up the episode real quick since everyone seems to need to get going i don't want to keep damien up it's eleven almost twelve I guess it's twelve is it eleven eleven or twelve eleven where you are? Uh the party. Yeah it, it's <laughs> fucking late. Regardless of what it is it's fucking late where he is as far as a weeknight. So uh we very much appreciate him taking out the time. This is him and I have been trying to do a podcast for what, maybe two months now? Three months?
1: <laughs> That's about quite a while. Yeah.
0: I'm happy to have you on the show. Anytime you want to come on the show again, you're you've been a great guest. I very much appreciate your input, and it's been wonderful to speak to someone else that speaks a small, at least a small amount of Patois. I'm sure you speak more than a small amount, but um, it's been really wonderful to have someone else that speaks Patois after living that way for a while and having to speak nothing but that for a while. <laughs> so, um, but absolutely, yeah, I. I put in all my good
1: accent, huh? Go ahead. No, I'm telling you, I'm not 100.
0: What was that? I'm sorry?
1: Oh, dear. Well, I wanted to say uh, thanks for listening to me. And be sure to search for the Aquaponic machine and ask them.
3: Absolutely.
1: Give me some feedback, some things. You're the one. Uh,
0: Anytime, man. You're Thanks, welcome man. on the show anytime in the future. If you want to hop on next week, you're welcome to, man. And that goes for anyone that's ever been on the show. They're always welcome. Uh, we've had a couple of repeat guests, not too many, but um, anytime you ever want to come on again or learn or talk to some of the guests that we have, feel free, man. I really appreciate anybody that comes on the show and takes some time to, you know, spread knowledge. That That's what this show is about, is about spreading aquaponic knowledge. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, some little tip or trick on a particular herb or a particular crop or lettuce or tomatoes or whatever. It's about the fact that you can go back and listen to – now, what the, the podcast is 70 or 80 hours worth of content that you can listen to on, you know, all these different – growers all these different you know people that own different farms or different companies or different extract things or you know all across both the aquaponic and cannabis industry you know respectively um, neither one of you are cannabis industry related at the moment, but um, just the fact that we have aquaponic growers, you know, that's why we do call it, the growing with fishes. It's not necessarily about cannabis. It's not necessarily about aquaponics. It's about both and trying to have a, a, a podcast that brings in both halves of those because those, those communities overlap so heavily that... You know, why should we exclude ourselves to one or the other? It's great to have some of the medicinal herb people one week and, you know, extraction artists one week and, people you know, both of you, peop, you know, you, uh, Damien and Jessica, both that run, you know, highly successful commercial farms that are, you know, making a living off of doing what a lot of the, the people that listen to this show would wish they could do on a week-to-week basis. So feeding it's great to yeah, feeding and healing the world, as, as C-Funk would love to say. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, it's great to hear from y'all and to hear from your firsthand experiences and, and you know uh, to get your perspective both from people in the Caribbean and from people on the West Coast and all over the world. That's why I love having you know that's why we took what, two episodes ago we had an episode on a Friday so that we'd get the guy from Australia. You know We love to hear from people all over the planet. so it, it's wonderful to get such a variety of, of amazing guests on the show. So I appreciate both of you coming on the show today. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you for hosting, Steve.
1: Thank you for having. Me. Thank, you.
0: Thank you so much. Um, is there? Do you have any websites or anything you'd like to plug on your uh, or our YouTube pages or anything or anything else you guys want to plug? Um, I'll, I'll give you the floor first, Damien. Uh,
1: just search your machine and add your little piece. you it. Either one.
0: Okay. Aquaponic machine, you got it, boss. Well, Jessica, sure. do you have anything that you'd like to plug? I know you, you guys have a uh, oraborosfarms.com. Yeah, look um, at look You have uh, a
2: Yeah, we've got aquachronic.com. That's currently in the works right now. Uh, We also have some wonderful courses um, with the aquaponic farming course that we're offering um, five times this year, as well as classes that Ken offers uh, every month. And, of course, the uh, aquaponic cannabis class and medicinal herbs class that he currently is teaching right now.
0: Wonderful. Um, and if anyone else would like to buy produce and happens to be near the San Francisco area, you could definitely reach them yeah. on, um, you got. You can get them on, uh, where is your distribution of your produce? Absolutely.
2: So we sell out of our retail space and one of our biggest distributors right now is called Good Eggs. They're out of San Francisco. They're an online farmer's market grocery stand where you can get all of your local produce, um, ice cream, meats, eggs, veggies, all kinds of stuff. So really good outlet. And we also do farm-to-table dinners, or I should say, table at the farm dinners, Wonderful. Where, you can, uh, where you can try some of our fish and our. Fish as
0: well. So, if you happen to be in the San Francisco area, definitely go check them out. Um, if you want to learn more about medicinal herb growing or cannabis growing, be sure to check me and them out. At, uh, over at uh, OroborosFarms.com, you can sign up for any of the classes that I teach as well as what they teach over there. If you want a commercial class, they teach one of the best, if not the best commercial class uh, in the entire industry right now uh, over at um, Aquaponic, uh, uh You can check them out there and uh, be sure to check them out. Uh, also, check out Marty's page. Marty couldn't join us this week. He had a emergency munchkin situation where he had to babysit a bunch of munchkins so, um, be sure to check him out over at AP meds, um, uh, fish Gonja guy tried really hard to make it, but he got Wi-Fi grow. So, um, we will give him a mention fish ganja guy on youtube.com and be sure to check me out at potent and potent uh, on youtube. Um, you can also check out, um, Oh, you know what? I'm a dummy. I totally forgot all about like the big thing that I was allowed to talk about this week, which I'll get into for a couple of minutes or at least a minute or two. I can't believe I forgot about it I've just I've been so wrapped up with these amazing guests um, do you have so a
2: new endeavor Steve something yeah, happening?
0: I have a new endeavor which you know about but <laughs> <laughs> um, so I actually recently signed on with um, I have a really exciting announcement so I re- signed on with um, alternative farming solutions based out of um, Alberta Canada I'll be working with um, Charlie Schultz as well as Nicholas Sandoval and some of the other biggest names in aquaponics that originally founded aquaponic commercial commercial model at UVI uh, at this brand new uh, commercial aquaponics farm up in Canada. We'll be growing vegetables, uh, medicinal herbs, uh, culinary herbs, as well as cannabis. Um, So we're pretty much. You know, the idea is to be the bleeding edge of technology as far as cannabis is concerned with the brightest minds in the industry. And I can't tell you everyone that's involved, you know, without breaking NDA, but we pretty much have the brightest people in terms of chemistry understanding in the industry. And we will bring you guys some of the coolest content and some of the the, the neatest videos and some of the best exclamations coming forward on the YouTube channel that this podcast is hosted on. Um, so look forward to that um, we're gonna have explanations on different questions and problems that you have from literally some of the brightest minds in the entire industry people that have been doing this for twenty thirty thirty five years that they've been doing aquaponics you know well beyond you know what you know anyone else in the industry has been doing so it'll be really cool as far as stepping up the game of both this podcast and some of the other videos that are produced on this channel as well as you know, whenever we switch to whatever future channel we have um, with the new company, um, bringing you guys some of the best content and not only best content, but, well, best researched content, stuff that has decades worth of research, decades worth of knowledge behind it, not just someone off, you know, on a random YouTube channel, but giving you the stuff that's genuinely, you know, provable and been not only proven on on a backyard scale, but proven on a commercial scale. You know, you'll be able to see plants growing on a on a weekly basis um, once this is all built out here in a, in a month or you know a couple months here. Um, uh, once this is all built out, you'll be able to see for yourself how some how well some of this stuff grows, and you can tell me if it looks bad or not, or if it looks like it that. But it won't. You know, I'm telling you right now, it won't. But if there's something you want to nitpick about, you can bring it up, and we're happy to discuss it. And not only that, I can give you a really good answer. And if I can't, I'm happy to bow to the people that can. You know what I mean? And if I you know, – we'll absolutely get you the people that can give you the proper answer. So that's some of the stuff that you guys can look forward to in the show coming forward. So it's really wonderful and honestly incredible to be invited to be and, – and an honor to be invited to work on that kind of project uh, coming forward. and we're hoping to take over the uh the industry after working with a bunch of people that didn't quite hit the head on the nail.
2: congratulations
0: <laughs> Thank you so it'll be really fun to work with a bunch of cool people that I've worked on a couple of other previous projects w- with and um I don't know i I'm very enthusiastic about the future. Let me leave it that way so um next week hopefully uh, marty will be back and uh fish ganja guy will be back um also uh, one last thing i want to mention um check me out uh, i'll be on the dude Gros show here hopefully tomorrow i thought i'd be on earlier this week but i guess they decided to do the recording we did earlier in the week later in the week so um if not it'll be on next week um i did a recording with um The Do Grow Show on climate control methods and greenhouses, and we touched on a few other topics as well. Um, So uh, definitely check us out over at The Do Grow Show. They're big supporters of the show. For Those of you who don't know, you can also find the show over there. Um, Fish Ganja Guy as well as Marty also do um, blogs over there. So if you're looking for more aquaponic cannabis content, um, it's definitely a great place to look for more written articles or additional video content other than what you find on this podcast. So thanks a lot, guys. Awesome. Um, I appreciate both of the two guests for uh, coming out on the um, tonight, and uh, I, you know, again, big thank you to both of them, and um, you know, be sure to check out Ouroboros Farms and um, the Aquaponics Machine, uh, and um, thanks for joining us. Have a great night, everyone, and um, uh, uh, hopefully, we'll finally have that uh, intro and outro that I keep promising you all um both the artists that are helping us with it are sitting next to me right now so hopefully i can uh now guilt them slash to our arm into finishing that all right I'll, I'll see you guys later we're kind of getting silly peace out cheers thanks again